What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton. Welcome to Thrillist Best and the Rest. Okay, if you've been listening to our show for the past few weeks, you know that we have a survey designed to make this show a little bit better and figure out what you guys like and what you don't like. Now, if you take the survey, which only takes about two minutes, you will automatically be entered for a chance to win a $50 gift card. You can spend it wherever. It's kind of awesome. So go to Thrillist.com slash survey or click the link in our description. Fill it out, possibly win some money. And for our most loyal listeners who've already taken the survey, uh, just take it again. (laughs) And now you might win some money. You can fill it out while you're listening to us. It's really that easy. Okay, back to the show. Today's episode is all about exploring how we travel and more importantly, who we travel with. The company you keep says a lot about who you are, and it can also definitely dictate the way you experience a trip, whether you're going with someone else, a romantic partner, your parents, or if you're going at it alone. And on that second point, I'm about to talk to two experienced solo travelers. They're going to tell you about some of the biggest mistakes they've made traveling alone, some important tips they want to share about where to stay and who to stay with, and also some of their wildest stories. It's cool stuff, so let's see what they have to say. I'm here with Aaron Rubin, who's a Thrillist video editor, and Ryan Craggs, who used to work at Thrillist. He left us. He was a travel editor for a while, worked at Condé Nast Traveler, too. Now he does affiliate marketing for Hearst Newspapers. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? Uh, not much. Not much? No. Um, why did you leave Thrillist, Ryan? <sighs> I just, I really had to get away from you, Will. That can't be true. We had a lot of fun. We had a good time. So I have to say, I don't mind being alone, um... I live with my girlfriend and sometimes she'll go on vacation and I'll relish a night that I can just hang out by myself. I can order seamless. I can watch a movie. But traveling solo to me is something I've never been interested in. I've never even really considered it. So I think first off, I'd like to just get a rundown from you guys, um, you know, starting with you, Aaron, about where you've traveled by yourself. I've traveled by myself in Spain, Cuba, and I just came back uh, in December from a two-week solo trip in Ethiopia. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, it was the coolest thing I've ever done. And Ryan, what's your experience traveling by yourself? Let's see. I have been to Spain, Mexico, Cuba, Croatia, Mm -hmm. Switzerland, London, Paris. Japan, though, right? Oh, yeah. Japan. Yep. That was a big I one. knew that when I'm not yeah. even you. <laughs> See, I have notes and like I'm I, just I, your friend. <laughs> doing a terrible job already. <laughs> so you guys have done this more than a few times. I just want to know, like, where Aaron, where was the first trip that you took alone and what inspired you to go to this place by yourself? Yeah. Uh, so the first place I ever went was Cuba. And I was really excited because I saw that they were about to have the first ever electronic music festival in Cuba ever that was international. In Havana? Uh, no, actually in Santiago. Okay. The, you know, the regulations had just opened up. I'm like, I think now would be a really cool time to go. And yeah, it was, there's a lot of things I definitely like messed up and did not do right because I just kind of underestimated some of the challenges, but it showed me like, I definitely had a lot of uh, anticipation and like trepidation about doing it. Like, oh my God, is this going to be a good idea? Am I going to be like super lonely, this, that, and the other? Sure. And like, I found that I really, really, really liked it. Yeah. What things did you do that you realized maybe this was a mistake? Maybe you should do things a little bit differently? Yeah. So I used to be super against like paying for guides and stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't really do that at all when I was in Cuba. I flew straight into Santiago because that was the way to get uh, like a ticket and go to this music festival. Yeah. So I literally like went to a bus station and then a lot of times uh, people with their own independent cars will have independent taxis. 
and they'll just post up near the bus stations and get, you know, gringos like me to like who want to drive a lot faster and have better air conditioning. And so I literally just got in a car with a bunch of strangers and drove across the entire country. Jesus. Yeah, that was How long of a drive is that? About like 12 hours because it's <laughs> it's like a two-lane road. That, see, that was a perfect example of a mistake. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, you just got off a flight. Why don't you sit down for the next 12 hours in an uncomfortable <laughs> car? Mm-hmm. For those of you who speak Spanish, like Cuban Spanish is super, super different. <laughs> and so like I just felt like, oh, my God, what have you done? Like you literally just got in a car for 12 hours and like the Spanish that you speak, you know, is just not working. Like mm-hmm. you're in for a rough next 10 days. Yeah. Did you go back the same way you came? I did. In that car? Okay. That was a very different experience because when I uh, drove back, I was end up with a bunch of tourists like from like Western Europe and America who had come into Cuba, flew into Havana, and then drove across to Santiago. Right. So that was a very different experience. Yeah. Ryan, same question. Like, where was the first time you traveled alone and um, what made you want to do it? It would have been 2006 when I, I had finished studying in Spain. I decided that before I flew back to the United States, I wanted to go to Paris and to London just mm-hmm. because I had never been to either one. Yeah. The biggest mistake right off the bat was that I had brought all of my shit for six months. So like basically four seasons worth of clothing. Mm. So I had to pay overweight luggage and I was a poor student. And then I got to Paris and this is pre iPhone traveling. I mean, it's like the greatest invention of the 21st century is just having a cell phone with you sure, and being yeah. able to look stuff up. I was walking around Paris and my my French was so awful. I was just like, ooh, hey. And then like to any person who would talk to Are me. Are you having a stroke, sir? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you trying to find the and, and Yeah, and I'm like trying to say like names of streets. So I have like a MapQuest thing printed out and yeah. I'm like pointing at it. I remember those days. I mean, it was it was a learning experience. Yeah. Well, it seems like both of you didn't necessarily set out purposefully to try to travel by yourself. It's just something that kind of fell into place. Was that something that you've always aspired to do? Once I think you get the travel bug, if you're going to rely on other people's plans and their vacation time and everybody else trying to coordinate things, you're not going to do the things that you want to do. Right. So I've never wanted that to limit where I go and what I do. There are certainly some places that I would say are better to experience with other people, but I can name maybe like one or two places that I've ever been where I was like, you know, I think I would enjoy this if I was back with another person. Yeah, I understand. Uh, Aaron, do you feel the same way? Uh, Yeah. Um, it's funny. I never had an official plan of it. Like I've done a ton of traveling all over the, the U.S. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I had done like the birthright trip to Israel. Sure. And so those were like really cool experiences. But I, lots of times I found myself frustrated because it was like I wanted to stay with my friends. I didn't want to like cause a huge fight, but I didn't want to yeah. just like the things that they were doing. And I didn't want to be like at places where I didn't want to be, where I felt like I was missing things that I never have another chance to see. Totally. And so this first trip with Cuba, I was like, I don't know anybody who's going to be down for what I want to do. Right. And so I've just done it. And then ever since then, it's just like, you know, as long as you're not a completely terrible person, like you'll meet other people who are interested in the things you're interested in. And you'll meet just, you know, cool people, whether they're locals or other travelers along the way. And that to me is like more than half the fun. No, that's a really good point. Um, What do you think some of the biggest differences as far as pros and cons are um, traveling alone and traveling with someone else? There's definitely a trade-off because the positive side, if you plan it right and do it right, you literally never have to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. You can just like, if you decide like, oh, I can go want to go to a museum today or I want to spend all day in a bar, you can do either one. Right. The downside sometimes is that you don't have someone to turn to and be like, yo, isn't this crazy? When I just came back from Ethiopia, like they're like, what are you talking about? This is, my, this is my neighborhood. Right. Did I tell you about how insane my first day in Ethiopia was? No, I don't think so. All right. So I had booked a tour with this company called ETT, which, by the way, don't book something with this company. ETT. Ethiopia Travel and Tours. 
go to the country first, book the travel there because you'll spend way less money. So I, I get in super late after flying from New York, having a stopover in Germany, and then getting back on the plane. And so I've never been to Africa before. Mm -hmm. I don't speak Amharic. I don't speak uh, Tigray or any of the indigenous languages of that country. I'm able to find like the taxi cab because I booked something with my hotel and I stayed at a hotel really nearby because my plan had been that the next morning I was about to start in this adventure in this travel group. Right. I wake up super early because someone's supposed to come pick me up. Nobody shows up. So I'm like, That's all right. tough. I'm like, I have to make this plane. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I had to like catch a taxi to the airport. I've been in the continent like less than 10 hours at this point. I get there. I'm like, well, surely, you know, maybe they thought like someone's waiting for me there. Nobody's at the airport. I show my ID all this, they let me on the plane. I am now on a one-hour flight <laughs> to the city of Gondor out of the capital of this country. This is my first day, and I'm like, well, you wanted something different, Aaron, and you definitely yeah. got it. It's a good job, buddy. And you have no idea what's in store for you because no None. one is guiding you. None. And so I land in Gondor, beautiful city, really cool people. I get off. I'm like, okay, well, at the very least, like somebody's going to meet me there. Nobody's in the parking lot. No one's there for me. Were you scared? I wasn't scared. I just couldn't stop laughing at how funny it was <laughs> that, like, it was so <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Like, it was weird because there wasn't any danger. Like, it's a, Ethiopia's a really safe country. People are really nice. But sure. you're just like, this is so insane. I mean, you could be scared this situation if you were going to Pittsburgh. Totally. I just start talking to all the taxi drivers in there, like, with my, you know, like, the, literally the most basic level of Amharic. And, like, they speak English obviously way better than I speak Amharic or whatever. Yeah. And so they find that one of the guys knows a dude who's on the couch and it's his day off and he works for the company. So he calls that ETT. guy. Yeah. That guy calls his boss and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go pick him up. Wow. And then it was like 10 a.m. And then I drove to the Simeon Mountain Range and started hiking. That was how <laughs> my first day started. But like I got done at the end of the day. Like I was looking at like the sunset and I was like, I just did that. Yeah. In most situations, this would be like a fear. But like. Because you have no one else to rely on, like you push yourself to this extra level and you're like, I'm capable of so much more than I even realized. That's very cool. <laughs> As someone who is single and on dating apps, a lot of things <laughs> that you'll see on there is like, I'm just looking for someone who wants to go on adventures. And like, if you want adventure, go on a trip by yourself. Go by yourself. Yeah. Get off this dating app. Yeah. I mean, really, because like you will get into so much more shit than you ever anticipated. Like I look back on some of the things that I did when I was traveling alone and I've like done so much dumb shit that yeah. in hindsight, I never should have thought about doing. <laughs> like what? Do um, tell, please. Yeah. Uh, I rode a bicycle on a Mexican freeway in a mm. rainstorm. Yeah. Not very smart. <laughs> and like cars are going by me. I was like, I wouldn't do this in my parents' suburban town. And here I am in like the <laughs> middle of nowhere, like Yucatan, Mexico, riding a bicycle to like a cave by myself. <laughs> and if I get hit by a car, no one's going to look at me and no one's going to find me for like a year. Yeah. Yeah. But you made it. I did make it. And it was cool. And you probably felt good about that. I did, yeah. I mean, and now it's like a story that I can tell, you know. Exactly. It's like, you end up having all these, like, stories that you can tell about a dumb thing that you did that turned out fine. And it feels better because I feel like, you know, to your point, Aaron, it's like you did it yourself. And there's no one else there. There's no one to keep you in check. There's no one to second guess you. And there's also no one to help you along, right? I think inertia is, like, the biggest thing with traveling alone. Yeah. I think as soon as you do it, you realize that it's not that hard. You'll figure shit out because, I don't know, you have to figure out, like, what you're going to make for breakfast and what, how you're going to get to work and then what you're going to do at work all day. You have, like, a million decisions that you make every single day. Sure. And, like, when you're on a trip, what are your decisions you have to make? Like, oh, am I going to go to this museum at 10 and then eat lunch? True. You know, it's, not, it's like, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, but we're going to come back with some more stories and some tips on how you, yes, you, can travel alone. We'll be right back. Okay, 
Have you ever gone on solo trips when you were seeing someone? And is that difficult to say to someone, a significant other, hey, I want to experience this place I've always wanted to go to, but I want to go by myself. Is there a way to mitigate that? I have gone on a trip when I was starting to see somebody. So it was like, I had more or less planned the trip before we had started dating. Right. It was one of those things where Japan was a place that was on my bucket list. And I had just really gotten into the points and miles space. And I managed to find a business class flight to Tokyo direct. So uh, you have the way it works is you either have to book those trips like a year out mm-hmm. or within two to three weeks. So I found a flight within two weeks. I asked my boss, I was like, hey, can I take 10 days off? He's like, <laughs> yeah. so I booked this trip on fairly short notice mm-hmm. and I just started seeing this girl. And I will admit, it's also a function, I think, of going to Japan by myself. Yeah. It was super weird because I was in this space where, yeah, I had an iPhone and I could just text with any of my friends who were on the other side of the earth and there were a 13-hour time difference. But then I couldn't turn to the person next to me who was sitting on the subway and I say a single word to them and have it like have a conversation. Yeah. So it made me feel alone in a way that I have never felt alone before. Because you're surrounded by people. Totally. It's yeah. like there's just so many people in Tokyo specifically. And, you know, you go to the Shibuya crossing and it's just like a gazillion people crossing the street all at the same time. And I was like, oh, this is cool. It's like out of a movie. And it really does feel surreal. But then on the opposite end of that, like you're not sharing it with anybody the same way. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And, and you just feel withdrawn from the experience in a way that if you are with somebody else, you do get to share it. You do get to talk about it. Whereas I would just like go back to the little Airbnb that I was staying in and like look at my phone for half an hour before I fell asleep. See, that's interesting. I'm wondering, Aaron, did you have the experience where you thought you were using your phone a lot because you were alone? Um, I didn't because the first social trip I did Cuba, like I didn't get around to getting a SIM card Uh and I couldn't believe after like one day, like how much better my brain felt not being on social media. Mm, Yeah. Because I just was forced to be present and to really take things in. Because I think that one of the beautiful things about solo travel is you're forced to kind of listen to your thoughts are. You're forced to kind of think about what you really want out of life. And that's what I think is really interesting because that doesn't always get talked about when people talk about traveling alone. I think a lot of time people have this idea of like, oh, I'm going to go to some winery and I'll spend a day stomping grapes and then I find myself. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sure that's really dope. Like it's not a single day or a single revelation. You can't put that in your itinerary. 7 yeah. p.m. Discover find myself. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go to the Eiffel Louvre. Tower. I'm going to the Louvre. I'm going to see some French Renaissance paintings. Yeah. And then like right around like, you know, three, <laughs> you should click in. Yeah. Before you hit the Moulin Rouge, you'll find yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that that's one thing I love. Like every time I was like near Wi-Fi when I was in places that were developing countries, I would like give people a heads up every couple of days just so that friends and family wouldn't worry. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, there's a real beauty that like we're, we almost never get bored anymore. Mm-hmm. Boredom's not really a thing that we experience in the modern world anymore, especially when you live in New York City. Like, yeah. And so just having that in a weird way is a gift. Yeah. Ryan, do you agree with that? Yes, that was very poetic. It was. Yeah. So I think that that actually leads us to an important point, which is like for people out there who might want to travel somewhere solo, uh, what tips do you have starting off? I guess like, you know, a jumping off point um, is where to stay. Ryan? So early on, I I stayed in hostels more often. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, a dorm room that would have anywhere from four to 12 beds. Mm -hmm. Anything anything over eight is insane and not a ton of fun. And then as I got a little bit older, I realized sometimes you can even book a private room in a hostel and it's still pretty cheap. You do get the social nature of staying in a hostel, which I think is a big thing when you're traveling. Definitely you can meet people. Yeah, but you still get to have some privacy. You know, you don't have to deal with like a couple that's like, 
20 having sex like with like a sheet over the bunk bed sure or the creepy german guy like breathing really heavy right next to you yeah Yeah. so you don't have to deal with quite that but then airbnb once that came around booking a private room in someone's apartment i think is kind of fun it is because you usually get to interact with the host and i mean the the kind of person that would put a room in their home on airbnb is generally somebody who's going to be affable and will talk to you about the place that you're visiting give you some suggestions definitely i mean i went all through thailand and i sit in chiang mai and I was actually booked at kind of like a hostel, more like a hotel. And uh, I was traveling with a girlfriend at the time. This was during their uh, Lantern Festival. And our hotel room just fell through and we had to book a last minute room in this guy's house. And we were really bummed out about it. But it ended up being the best thing that could have possibly happened to us because the guy was so cool. We hung out with him the whole time. We basically got like a four-day guided tour of Chiang Mai and all the surrounding areas. And it was like, this is exactly what you want. If I was traveling solo, that would be exactly what I need. Yeah, because I mean, if you're staying in a hotel, you get back to your hotel room and then the next thing you know, it's nine o'clock because you like took a nap or you're mm-hmm. reading or you're watching TV or whatever it is. You just And then you're thinking to yourself, well, shit, why did I travel to this place just to do something I could have done in my own apartment? Exactly. Aaron, what do you think? What do you look for? You know, the hostels are great because you have all the resources. You know, you're going to meet people from all over the world. I remember when I went to Spain, I ended up one night like in a room with six tiny dudes who were all Pakistani soldiers. (laughs) Uh, And they were the nicest dudes. But like the amount of cologne that was sprayed in that room alone, I was like, I'm going to smell like this for the next three weeks. Uh, And I kind of did the Airbnb. The Airbnb, like it's so nice when you get like a really great host family. Yeah. But you kind of got to be careful because sometimes I feel like, or at least where I've made mistakes, is like I end up booking a place because it's in like a cool city, and then I book like a really cool apartment. And then I'm like, why am I booking an apartment I want to like spend time in? Because I didn't fly to hang out indoors, but like by yourself, especially. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like if you can find one that has like a really well-rated family, that's the best thing because especially in you know smaller or developing countries, like. It's all business for them. And they mm. probably have like a, a, they know a cousin or, or, or somebody who's like a family member or a, a close family friend. And like they love to take you out on a ride because that's like a, a side business and they'll show you the stuff that's like the real thing you want to see. Right. Um, I, I also think, you know, it's important to point out we're kind of speaking from a point of privilege. We're all white men. So traveling, you know, as a woman or a person of color in some places is obviously going to be different. Absolutely. There's like a, a total point of privilege. There's a lot of really great blogs, I'm sure. Like, well, I'm not just sure. I'm sure I know like just yeah. like that, that help uh, like solo female travelers and all that. Right. And so I definitely say recommend that. Reach out, like email or whatever, because they'll have the type of stuff that I just couldn't know. Right. Just a ton of vetting. That makes sense. Um, I guess one thing that kind of has always been a thinking point for me in traveling alone is when I go to cities, I like to go out to restaurants. I like to go out to bars. Um, you know, Ryan, how did you handle going out to eat and going to bars uh, in your solo travels. Was it awkward? I think going out to eat is easier than going out to bars. You think that? Yeah, because, I mean, you can enjoy a good meal by yourself. But, you know, like, I was in Copenhagen by myself, like, three three or four months ago, and I went to this really nice seafood restaurant, and the food was amazing, but I tried three things because I was there by myself eating lunch. Yeah. And it's not like I'm going to order like 15 dishes to share. Whereas whereas if you are with somebody else, that's great because you do get to experience a wider array of things. Yeah, I agree. I think it, at least for me, the most success I've had has been like eating alone or drinking alone at a place that's relatively lower on the cost level. Got it. Because I feel like it's a more friendly environment, Mm -hmm. but I can never go to a club. Like, dude, I'm 5'9". I'm not going to clubs, like, with (laughs) people. But you're, like, gigantic in South America in some (laughs) parts. Yeah, maybe, you know, like Central America. Pakistani army. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, It's funny. I don't know. 
with so much of this stuff, so much of the awkwardness just exists in your own head. And as long as you're a decent person who knows how to listen and isn't just going to give some random person an ear beating, yeah. like there can be a fruitful exchange and there could be something cool, but you just have to really be cognizant of are you listening and are, are you making this a conversation or are you just berating somebody? Because there's nothing worse than somebody you don't know at a bar when you're just trying to get like a drink or two and you're trying to hang out and you're just like trying to make it all about them. It's actually the worst thing ever. Yeah. And I guess like that's that leads to a bigger question where, you know, when you travel alone, are you actively trying to meet people or are you just kind of like okay with being at peace and being alone with yourself? I would say it depends on the vibe. Like, because there's sometimes where I just feel like this is not the move or it just, it would feel super forced. Mm -hmm. Like one thing I'd say that I, I recommend is, and it's like the smallest, easiest thing is get like a bag of some small candies, like, you know, little fun size Snickers or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest, most fun way, like, and just completely low stakes way to like start a conversation or just meet somebody. Yeah. And it just establishes you as like a cool dude or lady or however you identify. And it's like, oh, cool. Like a candy I'm not used to or whatever. And it's Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you bring candy from like America though when you go to other yeah. places? Got and it. So like it once again, it's it's not some like major plan, but like mm -hmm. just like literally just get like a small Halloween bag. Sometimes someone will take it and they'll be like, All right, thanks on me, like but stay out of my face. You're like, all right, cool. Well that, that cost me five cents. Yeah. But sometimes it can be like like to a fruitful exchange or someone has something they want to share back with you. Like just it's kind of a fun cultural exchange. In terms of meeting people, mm -hmm. I, I mean I think like it's great to be able to spend time alone with your thoughts while you're traveling, but if you're staying in a hostel, you're going to meet people. If you're staying in an Airbnb, you know, like that is that as a somebody living there, you're at some point probably going to interact with that person. Yeah. But I think in particular, like earlier in my like solo travels of staying in hostels, I met a lot of cool people. Like I just met people from all different walks of life and from different countries. Yeah. My friend went to Cuba and met someone there and they met up in Europe. He met like a traveling buddy doing this. Yeah. It's like, this is a thing you know you have in common. It's, right. This is a person who is inclined to travel and explore places by themselves. And also to piggyback on his point, like, dude, if you're not meeting people from other countries while you're traveling, you're blowing it. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's the best part. Like whether they be international travelers or like you're meeting people from the actual country and just, I mean, like... Bourdain had this great line where he said that, like, uh, travel was fatal to prejudice. Yeah. And there is so much prejudice you don't even realize you have. And not, not necessarily in a hateful way or, like, a mean way, but just so much like, oh, well, the people over there are kind of like this. Right. And Like, people in France are rude and they, and they don't want to talk to you. Even just simple things. You're like, oh, they probably like cheese. You'll bite me somebody's like, dude, I hate cheese. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it, it's, it could be from the infinitesimally small to the grandiose. Right. And that's honestly one of the most rewarding things about it because it's it's always great to have the Instagram pictures. It's always great to have like the stories you get to tell on a wonderful podcast like this. <laughs> uh, Subscribe. Yeah. But most importantly, it's about letting the places change you and, and having the openness, having the, the confidence in yourself that you can allow that to happen. And yeah. I think that there's a level of that that you can achieve with a solo trip that you can't necessarily when you're constantly, um, you know, taking into consideration someone else's needs. I think yeah. it's good to be selfish occasionally. Right. I also think it's a two-way street. When you go and you behave well, you can change what people's perception of, say, what an American would look like. Because, you know, they may be used to seeing people who have spent thousands of dollars booking whatever trip, and they live a more sheltered existence of experiencing that place. Definitely. I mean, I don't know if I would say that traveling alone is better than traveling with someone else, because they can just be very different experiences. Um, I, I would say if you're like, if it's a place that you want to go and you want to see, don't allow being with someone else to limit that like go and see and do it and you will enjoy that and you'll forever have that in your pocket yeah 
This was great, honestly. I appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks so much for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Now, if people want to find you on Twitter or Instagram, Aaron, do you want to give any of your social information out? No. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Ryan, where can someone find you if they want to date you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on Hinge. I'm on Bumble. Uh, I would say my Instagram, it's pretty boring. It's better than my Twitter. My Instagram is just rcraggs. So it's R-C-R-A-G-G-S. Cool. Find them. Okay, that was awesome. I think I might actually schedule a solo trip myself. But right now, I have two of the most social people I know here to talk about traveling with other people. Senior producer, Gabrielle Williot. Hello. And city's editor, Alex. Don't call him Alexander Robinson. Well, we can call you Alexander, right? Yeah, I don't mind that at all. Okay, that's my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> what the hell is a city's editor for the people at home? A city's editor is... An editor who has multiple cities under their purview. So I edit eight different cities. Uh, I basically oversee the content that gets produced in those cities, uh, just written, not video, which is what oftentimes people think I do is video edit. That's confusing. Uh, yeah. Actually, and no, it's not. I don't think this position really exists anywhere. <laughs> well, anymore. that's why I said like you need to explain yeah. like what you do. I always have to explain it to everybody. Yeah. Right. But, but and, like in my editing experience, uh, I do a lot of traveling around to different cities and sure. kind of check them out and uh, meet with different people there and just kind of pick their brains about their location, what they love to do there and mm -hmm. how their city is special to them. Right. So when people are in Atlanta and they Google what's the best brunch in Atlanta and our article comes right at the top. That's, like number one. Every, yeah. Like our SEO is through the fucking roof. It's insane. Yeah. Good job, team. Yeah. Ow, ow. What you do is you get a freelance writer from Atlanta and then you edit the articles back here in New York at our home base. Yes. But I don't cover Atlanta, but yes. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. hypothetically, yeah. Yeah. And Gabrielle, you're a producer of video. Yes, I Just do lay it clear out. do the video. Fuck written. Uh, I make videos and I edit them. Why should you make this a contest right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have to be uh, you're very talented. Your favorite, thank you, Alex. Some of your favorite thrills. Alex and I have worked together a lot on videos, though. Even though yeah. he's not responsible for them, he has been a part of a lot of videos, as have you. It's true. Yeah. So I just wanted to get a perspective from two normal people about how you travel and how you travel with other people. Normal okay. is relative, but okay. Normal is definitely relative in this case. I want to talk first about traveling with a group of friends. We traveled together a few times, Alex and I. Yeah. We went to New Orleans with like eight or nine people. Yeah. Then we went to... Paris and Amsterdam with like three, three, three to four. Did you feel that I was a good person to be part of the group? Yeah. Loaded I, uh, question. I don't know wow. why I put myself out there. Oh my God. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, uh, I've never really asked. And don't now, fuck this up, Alex. <laughs> well, no, you no, can no. fuck it up. Uh, no, I mean, I figured we'd have a really good time together. And I think we did have a really good time together. Um, I mean, you have the anecdote of getting pickpocketed at the Eiffel Tower because you wanted to go off by yourself and dance for some reason. But, That's true. But for the most part, no one really pressured anyone to do anything, right. which is, I think, a big part of making group trips successful. It was also only, you know, three of us, really, which right. I wouldn't really consider a large group. And I've mm -hmm. done bachelor party trips where I've rented an Airbnb with eight guys in New Orleans, and that was like crazy. And that's just a lot to handle. And it's way different than going with just three. It's way different. Well, the other thing with bachelor bachelor parties, it's almost easier in a way, though, because 
with planning, one person really has say, you know, if the bachelor or bachelorette, like you want to listen to what they say. So if they say you want to go to a certain place, you kind of have to go there. Oh, you're, you're fucking going. Right. Like, True. But there's I'm, an who's, itinerary. Like who's going to argue with the bachelor, bachelorette? That's what I'm saying. But, bachelor, on, but on the flip side, it becomes harder because if there's like 15 yes. of you, you don't want to split up because you want to be with a person, you know, you're celebrating. Right. It really sucks when a group of 15 dudes rolls up to a bar. It's like together, terrible. 15 guys or girls. Yeah, true. It's like the worst feeling. Too many people. It's way too many people. It's even, it even sucks if you're with the group. You have to be a little bit self-aware here, right? Some people aren't, though. You have to be like, fuck. This is gonna, like, people are gonna hate us. Yeah. I feel like you, you just in, have to really like, embrace fuck. it and be as obnoxious as you can be. Everyone has like a penis on their head or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just no, totally. lean into it because 100%. other than that, you're just like a huge group of people, which is equally weird. No, 100%. Yeah. Be obnoxious as fuck. Yeah. Kick everyone out. Tip your bartenders. Yeah. Uh, That's very Very important. nicely. And there should always be a sober sister there. I don't Sober know what sister. that is. Yeah, what is that? So there should be one person who's not like blackout drunk to make sure everyone's okay. No one's dead or kidnapped. No one's off like cheating on their spouse or something like that. Sure. Oh, so I'm narc. usually the sober. <laughs> <laughs> you don't narc. You just shame them and guilt them into not cheating. Got or, it. Yeah. That's I'm like when you're usually you the sober sister. You're usually the sober sister. That's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just given your worry. you know history. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't drink that much because I'm annoying enough sober. So uh, as we drink this wine. Yeah. Well, well I enjoy a good glass of wine every once in a while. Yeah. But I have been on many bachelorette parties with like 16 girls, and it is. A nightmare. They're never fun. I'm sorry to all my friends. I love you dearly, but the bachelorette parties are a total nightmare. Um, and also, it's this like weird meshing of two groups of friends. So, like, the bride will invite like five high school friends, six college friends, and then the random work friend who probably should have said no, but felt bad and went yeah. anyway and then is on the outskirts. Guys handle it significantly easier yes, than women do. Absolutely. Um, we're just here to bro out. Yeah. yeah. And if anything gets weird, it's like, I don't know, let's just do shots and shotgun 22 Coors Lights. Yeah. Have you been on bachelorette parties that like different cliques in the same party oh, yes. have gotten catty? Oh, yes. I was at a certain bachelorette party where like the college friends were just feuding with the high school friends. That's awful. Yes. It's fun to watch. As a super sister. To watch it go down. Yeah. It's very juicy and fun. But it's also, it sucks for the bride because she feels loyal to both of these people. Someone's right. crying somewhere in a corner. Someone's drunk, naked, passed out. It's just a total mess. I, I think that the sober sister is a really good tip, no matter what. Like you always want someone yes. kind of steering the ship. Um, Another thing that I think really helps is a problem I've come across in these bigger group trips is people are on like radically different ends of the financial spectrum. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to bachelor parties and group trips with people that work in finance that are just down to spend so much money. And that's always a bone of contention, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. So Splitwise is an app. Fuck Splitwise. Is this sponsored by Splitwise? No, not at all. It's <laughs> no, just like, it's I'm a vehemently very... against it. I think it's oh, a... I like so, it. Wait, I don't know. I think people like, you... fucking take advantage of people on Splitwise. Before okay. you go into this... They it's... get in really pedantic small arguments. Yes, yes, yes. Splitwise yes. is an app where you can kind of uh, keep track of who spent you know, who spent money on what. And right. it's just, it's basically like a way to kind of organize a Venmo account. Yeah. So, you know, if you go out to dinner and you buy all of it, you can send everyone a Splitwise and it just keeps a running track mm -hmm. of how much everyone is spending. And you're saying you don't like to use that on vacation. I don't like it because I think that a lot of times people will be like, well, I only like had this much pizza and I don't want to split it. I don't want to split the whole amount. It's almost like splitting a check and being that person who's like, I just had drinks in an app. Yeah. I'm like much more comfortable with Venmo. Okay. Like Venmo charged me for whatever. Yeah. If you want to buy the whole meal, 
We can split that. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Ven- I'll just pay you on Venmo. And it's it's like kind of gauche to ask about someone's budget before going on a trip, right? Like, yeah. no one's going to be like, hey, what's your budget for this trip? I don't like to set budgets before I travel with a group. I don't like to set I don't budgets, like to do but it I think yeah. it also is really helpful when people send restaurants ahead of time and you can look at the menu and be like, fuck no, that's crazy. Okay. So you're all about the group decision, which is why like bachelor and bachelor parties, you have a person that's clearly in charge there. Made of honor. Yes. And their, yeah. their word goes. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been on a trip ever where people that knew each other turned against each other and um, maybe their friendship was irreparably severed? Yes. I think like traveling with your friends uh, and being in enclosed spaces and drinking yep. all weekend, people just start to bring up uh, like very deep seated like feelings towards each other. And oh, I have seen many of falling out on girls trips over shit that had nothing to do with the trip. Do you have she can change names? Ages, places. I went to Chicago with a bunch of my friends from high school, and it was like the most fun weekend. And then these two girls that I'm friends with, this one girl had a boyfriend, but they were on a break. And she invited this other guy out to the bar to meet us. And then the other girl was furious that she invited a man to our girls' trip. Yes. And it was like this whole like blow up thing at the bar, and everyone like was crying. I was. Probably laughing. <laughs> yeah, like did the guy know what he was walking into? No, yeah, yeah, he just all. got like, yeah, not at all. If he knew, no, like, no, there's no way a guy. No, he would like, never put up with right that. <laughs> Maybe I don't it know. It depends on the guy. No, but we all thought it was gonna blow over in the morning, and then in the morning, everyone was like, "Okay, go talk, you know, make up." And then they both came together and would not make up. So then the whole weekend was a little awkward. But like, I've seen shit like that happen all the time. Well, alcohol makes it worse. Always, it really does. Yeah. I have a story when I studied abroad, which is just like an extreme version of traveling with a group because I was with the same people, Uh like 20 people Mm -hmm. for like six months. Let's just say there are two friends, Larry and George, and they were really good friends. They went into the study abroad program uh, as like best friends Mm -hmm. and they were doing it together. They got really drunk one night and they got into a fist fight, into an altercation. And this was like in the south of France, kind of in the middle of nowhere at like a castle type. Uh, what a beautiful house. place to have a fist fight. Yeah. How, like well, how, how romantic. Poetic. <laughs> I say fist fight, but what actually happened, um, George pinned Larry down and Larry was just really drunk and, um, you know, was trying to say, you know, c- calm down, man, calm down. And the one dude uh, went up to the other guy's face and actually bit his nose off. What? Off? He and bit the, the nose off? And these are people no. that never got in a fight before. They're both pretty mild-mannered. Lord Voldemort but the stress, <laughs> Yes. The stress of being together and traveling like that in a group uh, set them both over the top. Yeah, and, um, I've never had a physical confrontation traveling with insane. anybody. Well, I'm just saying, that's an extreme example of yeah. two friends traveling together for six months, being in close quarters, drinking a lot. The kid, What happened to his nose? That's what I want to well, know. Well, the biter was gone the next day. <laughs> Oh, they kicked him out? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, for sure. And then the guy whose nose... Who wants to stay on a trip with a dude who's just been another dude's I, nose That's off? the thing, yeah, right? Yeah, like with like Mike, Mike Tyson, Tyson after a holy yeah. fight. So he ran out. Can I get you in the water? They put the <laughs> nose... You know when your tooth gets knocked out and you're supposed to put it in milk and take it to the dentist? No. No. Okay, well, that's a thing for well, anyone. Thank, thank you that, yeah. You're supposed to do that. Uh, Will's tip of the day. They put his nose into a Ziploc bag and brought it to the hospital. Oh, my God. I thought God. you were going to say fill it with milk. I want to no. see him right now. Do you still, are you friends with him on Facebook or whatever? I am. I think that he had surgery and it, it's okay. And he uh, is married to a woman he met while he was over there studying abroad. And so. she has Oh, uh, what a happy ending. Yeah. yeah. She has a nose. Well, they both have noses now. Well. Uh, so that was my worst story. And I think that's pretty awful. That's pretty bad. From yeah, traveling yeah. with a group. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. 
Okay, we're back. So challenge with a group, yeah. What I would say is don't go with dicks. Yeah. <laughs> have someone that will stay remotely like sober to kind of keep track of things. It might and have you don't to be have you. to be sober. It sober, might have to be just right. enough and control that, the situation. Yes, yes. And despite what Alex says, I think Splitwise actually works wonders when you're with a group. I want to talk about uh, traveling with a significant other because that also presents its fair share of yes, problems. Yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, they always say that you should travel with someone before you fully commit to them. And do you think that's true? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Why do you think that's true? Because all your flaws are completely on display 24-7. Yeah. And specifically, all your weird travel quirks and stuff that, like, might annoy someone else. That's definitely true. Traveling is really, really stressful. Yeah. And I think that stress doesn't bring out necessarily all of your flaws, but it can definitely bring out the worst parts of yeah. you. Yeah, definitely. Like how you react to situations, like totally. gate agents yeah. or TSA or exactly. being later cab drivers. So I think that you have to be kind of on the same page and anticipate all of these things before you actually like take that first flight with somebody. Um, well, you go through a lot. It's like a- You go through a lot, It's yeah. like a condensed, it's like condensing a whole year of dating into like a one week trip. Everything right. is on display. The highs are high, the lows are low. Like in the kind of most like- weird tangential way you're moving in with someone yeah. for oh, definitely. a weekend or a week or something yeah. like that. And then you're also kind of on edge about it. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. what are they going to think of me? Right. Mm-hmm. Especially the first time, especially yes. the first yeah. time, right? Like you're like, I want to be cool and chill and like have control of the situation. Right. But then something's going to happen and some person's going to freak out about something. Whether always. it's like always, whether it's something that like they left at home and didn't pack that they mm-hmm. like really think that they need mm-hmm. or whether it's like you, you're getting to the cab too late or maybe you miss a flight. Like oh, no. that could be like the end of a fun trip right there. Oh, for sure. It's depending on who you're with. That's depending what I mean. Depending on who you're with. Right. Yeah. And that's how you know. So I skimmed through a shit ton of listicles online from everything from Elite Daily to BuzzFeed to like the New York Times about tips on how to travel with your partner. Mm-hmm. And I just want to <laughs> run through some. tips. Talk about <laughs> yeah, well, no, I know that. Let's debate whether they're valid or not. Okay. So one that came up in almost all these articles, which I think is like, duh, uh, take a shorter trip first. Yeah. I think that's kind yeah. of obvious. Because it's like, you don't, you would rather go on a weekend trip than like a, a three week leg to Singapore. Totally. With like yeah. Someone you just started dating. Where do you think is the most ideal place for a first trip with significant other? Somewhere warm, but mm-hmm. not too hot. Yeah. Uh, I recently went on a first trip with a significant other, not to brag, but I do have a significant other. She's everyone. flipping her hair right now, <laughs> if you're just listening. Uh, Good for I you. did convince a man to like me. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to San Diego and it was a great first trip. The weather was amazing. I'd never been there before. It's a yeah. really cute place to walk around. There's water if you want to do water shit. There's land if you don't like the water. If you want to do land shit. Most people just go The food was good, really good Mexican food. I thought that was a great place to go. Yeah, it was a good Mm -hmm. one. What do you think, Al? So for me, it would be either a train ride or you rent a car and just get a place in the Catskills or the Adirondacks. In New York, yeah. Like we'd go in the summer, uh, stay there for three or four days. It's like the perfect time to just kind of get outside and do fun things. Yeah. Um, Obviously, this person has to be into that. And that's going to be like a big qualifier. Yeah, that could really backfire if you're with some. It's going to backfire if this person is like not or is like lying about it. Yeah. If they're like, oh, no, I'm I'm totally into hiking. Then you get to the hike and you're like, all right, this is going to be like a three mile hike. And they're like, oh, fuck. That's a good one. I would say where you don't want to go is a place like Disney World, where if going on a trip with your partner is like an encapsulation of your relationship. Disney World is like very punctuated because it's like a mini trip within a trip. And there's a million things to do. I just am not a fan of theme parks at all. Yeah. I don't like all like the kind of manufactured fun. Oh, my God. I'll totally fuck with a cruise. 
Oh Ooh. my god! Yeah, but then you're kind of stranded with I that know. person. What? No, you're not though. Cruise ships are gigantic. They're enormous. If you need you're space, a psycho. It's... No, I'm not. Cruise well, ships are dope. <laughs> you can do so much on a cruise. Have ship. you ever been on a cruise? Yeah, yeah. Until until neurovirus breaks out and everyone's shitting and barfing everywhere. That could easily happen at Disney World. Neurovirus is the stomach one, right? Yeah. I don't know. We'll have someone look I don't know. They're all here. <laughs> well, so what's up, ladies? I am single. <laughs> <laughs> no, Disney, yes, the can. Okay, so the second thing that almost every one of these lists called out is talk about finances ahead of time. Um, mm. And I don't uh, like, I don't know. No. I know, it's like, it's the hardest part of a relationship. It's like the touchiest part of any relationship. So bringing that out, especially during a first trip. Um, I think that's weird. What do you say? Like, what's your budget? If someone's making that much more than you, where they just feel like they can make decisions, they should just be able to throw you a few bucks. If I was making a lot more than somebody and I really want to take this trip with that person, yeah. spending a little extra is not going to be a thing for me at all. Yeah, I mean, I I'm agree. not going to hold them hostage for it, like yeah. emotionally. Mm. It'll just be something like, I'll be like, I just want to spend time with you. I agree. Not in the city doing like broke boy shit. Yeah. Like, I get it. I don't want to go to the park again. Yeah. Unless we're doing like insane <laughs> excursions that are like a thousand dollars. It's a little much. Right. Yeah. But yeah. If I would pretty much. But like a dinner. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a nice dinner or something like that. And if they're like, oh, well, I don't have a lot of money. And I was kind or of you're saving just trying it for to this like, trip. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, no, no, no. Like on me, like, let's go. Yeah. I think it'd just be really fun for us. Mm-hmm. It's just know? an awkward conversation. I think that's why all those articles mention it. Because it's, it's always weird. And when you travel, it kind of is accentuated, yeah. honestly. Um, another thing. Take privacy into consideration. Give people their private space. Yeah, Gab and I have talked about this yeah. before. <laughs> like, what well, do you we mean? travel together. <laughs> you guys have traveled? Together? No. no. Oh. <laughs> it feels like it. I'm with you long enough. What do you mean you've talked about it? We were kind of just discussing, discussing traveling, traveling yeah. with, with partners yeah. and, and how space can be a really big issue, especially, uh, I'll let Gab tell the story, but it was uh, staying in a boutique hotel, mm-hmm. which I've done oh, as right. well. And yes. that's yeah. like... Whew, man, no. they're yeah. small. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are really small. Well, so, they're chic and quaint. Well, I guess I, that's I one, word. That's yeah, one word for them. Some people might. Well, that's the spin. Yeah, so I went on this, this first <laughs> trip with my new boyfriend. I'll just say it again. Oh. My boyfriend. He goes to a different podcast. That's <laughs> <laughs> where he's real. Oh, that's funny. He is a human man. Um, <laughs> so we went on this first trip. So excited. I was like, oh, it's going to be like a sexy cool romantic weekend Mm -hmm. we stayed at a boutique hotel but we walk in and the hotel room is so tiny Mm -hmm. like you could touch the walls you know laying laying on the bed Yeah. yeah yeah and the bathroom is right next to the bed basically and I'm like, all right, I can make this work. I can be a really silent shitter. <laughs> How whatever. intimate. Yeah. Well, the door was one of those bar- sliding barn doors and it didn't latch or connect. It just <laughs> slid over the bathroom. I'm like, what monster designed this hotel room? It was horrific. So obviously I didn't shit all weekend. That's not good for you. I was like a camel of shit. Like it was yeah. <laughs> not good. <laughs> no, but then, then... I was forced into a position where I was like, every time we would go out to dinner, I'm like, okay, just go take a quick shit oh, in right. the bathroom. Yeah. But then you're like stressed about it even more and thinking about it. So I would still be gone for a shitting time period, <laughs> but I wouldn't go because I was so stressed about yeah. it. So it's I still a vicious didn't, circle. Yeah, yeah, I still didn't go, but he was like, oh, what are you doing there? Taking a dump at this Mexican restaurant? Anyway, it was, well, it that's was a why, lot. Okay, but that's <clears> exactly like, you need to be open with someone. You know, when you first start dating someone, like, yeah, you don't want to poop in front of them. Yeah. But when you travel, it's all out there. So you can, you know, if your person is okay with talking about, like, going poop, right? I will spray up poop in a girl's apartment, like, after a one-night stand. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, leave. Uh, what is 
wrong with you? I, I, it's like a human. I have I'm, a little respect. I'm a human. I have to go. It's, it's like, it's distressing for me to hold it in. Well, that's, yeah. yeah. You don't want to become the camel of shit. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be the camel of shit. Like, oh, I'm okay with that. I, I'm not. By the way, our producer Molly says a neurovirus is a very contagious virus that causes vomiting and diarrhea. So it's a good thing you did oh, not get right, that yeah. in San Diego. I knew it. You're right about the boutique hotels. I, I was at a very nice, a very nice one. It wasn't super small, but the bathroom, it had that like translucent kind of glass. Ooh. You were just telling me about that. Oh, yeah. It's cool. But when you're taking a shit, like they, you can just see the person sitting it's down. Frosted, there. frosted glass. Yeah, you can see, you can, you can see full yeah, yeah, you can just God. see it. You can see like, like down, you can see like silhouettes down to like hairs on their head. <laughs> it's weird. It's super distressing. I never want to see that ever. Hunched yeah. over like a shrimp taking a dump. And it's no. just really weird. And it's just like, I don't know why boutique hotels. <laughs> cannot figure out the bathroom oh, situation. No. Yeah, my experience, let me get quick, was just like Gab's where the uh, the bathroom was kind of parallel to the bed. Yeah. And as I was in there, I didn't realize, I, I knew that the glass was frosted, but I didn't realize that the person on the outside could see inside. Sure. So I'm inside. It's like after dinner, we're about to go get drinks. I'm thinking <laughs> that, you know, sex is on the table later. It's We're at a hotel together. Hopefully. It's romantic. We're getting yeah. drinks. We're dressing up. Yeah. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm washing myself. And then I just start really you know, getting in there. I'm getting like in there. I'm like washing my groin. <laughs> groin. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm like washing my. I'm like washing my. Call it a crotch. Yeah, my no, it's a gro- this is groin. I'm washing my booty out. Like okay. I'm trying to get it clean. You yeah. Know? So I walk out of the shower and she was like, uh, she was like, you really uh, scrub that ass well, huh? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I've never been so embarrassed or felt so vulnerable in my entire life. Because she was I, watching like, you through the glass. She could see me through the glass, and I had no idea. She didn't say anything. She was like cracking up watching it. Yeah. I would be embarrassed for like ten seconds and then be like, well, I have a. Butthole. I tried to get over it. Would you yeah. rather me have a dirty butthole? Or that's a very true. I mean, that's exactly right, but I couldn't get past it. Aww. <laughs> I just couldn't. At least it's clean. Sorry. I mean, yeah. It could have been way I worse. Yeah. 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 We're just trying hard. I don't know if it could have been way worse. It was pretty it was pretty bad. No, it could have been worse. So not to change gears from your butthole, but <laughs> another tip, this is this I thought was weird, but it kind of makes sense, is don't share a suitcase. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've never fucking done that. Who never. does that? Uh, that's a way just to fight My before you do even that. leave. Yeah. But they're married, right? Yeah. That's different. That's Still. different. Yeah. Still. Who the fuck shares a suitcase? That's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're saying don't share a suitcase. Oh, okay. The internet's saying don't. I didn't realize people. Meaning that, that people probably do. That, I mean, um, that's what it has to mean. Right? Do you Never. ever? Ha- I think a small pet peeve of mine is actually when you're on a trip with someone and one person checks and one person carries that on. That is oh, a pet peeve. Of I missed mine. a flight because of that. Really? With a significant other. Yeah. What do you mean? How did you miss a flight? Uh, we just lost track of time. We yeah. were in Denver after a big snowboarding trip, and uh, we just totally lost track of time. We were having just a good time drinking with friends, so we rushed to the airport. I just have a backpack and like my little roller that's carry on. Uh, and she had a bag that she needed to check. But we got there too late to check the bag. Yeah, because they cut off like a half hour. They cut off. Oh, no. And so then we missed the flight. As we're like looking at new flights, there's a giant blizzard pulling into New York like <laughs> the next day. They're already canceling flights across Chicago, across like Minnesota up north. Uh, the next flight we could get on was five in the morning. And that night I remember just I was so pissed. Uh, we slept in separate beds in a hotel room. Oh, really? Damn. Yeah. And then when we flew in, we ended up flying into the blizzard, almost landing at LaGuardia, and then pulling back up to re-land at Newark because the snow and visibility had gotten so bad. It was like the worst 24 hours on a trip with someone. And you don't fly well either. No, 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 I don't. I have a severe fear of flying. Do you think it's okay or annoying when uh, someone next to you or you ask if you can switch a seat so you can sit next to your significant other. I do it all the time, so I don't mind. As it. long you as you ask, yeah. yeah. So as long as 
like if I'm in an aisle seat, uh-huh. as long as I'm in another aisle seat, then I don't care. If the trade-off is equal. If the trade-off is equal. I totally get that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm the same boat. Uh, if someone's trying to switch a middle seat with me and I'm in an aisle seat, like get the fuck out of here. You're, oh, yeah, you're going to have to sweeten yeah. the deal. Like, you're you're trading be like, up. give me a hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> throw, me me, throw me a hundo and then I'll sit in the middle <laughs> yeah. seat on this trip. Yeah. But, yeah. Once I asked a married couple who were sitting next to each other and they looked like they hated each other. Yeah. We're not speaking, just look <laughs> disgusted with each other and they still refused to move. And I was like, they're getting a divorce. I hope it happens. I've actually been in the, in the reverse situation where like I've seen a married couple where one is in front of the other mm-hmm. and they're talking to each other. And I'm like, do you want to move so you can sit next and to your wife? Want to. And they're like, no. Yeah. No, we're That's fine. That's also how it unique. Is. <laughs> no, it is. They're not getting a divorce. I respect that. Yeah, they're not getting yeah. a divorce because yeah. they know how to travel together. Yeah. If you want to fly like that, that's cool. Yeah. That's definitely true. Which brings me to my next point. This is something that a lot of the articles said that I didn't even really think about. Um, and I'm interested in how you feel. Schedule at least one solo activity per day. I mean, no, maybe weird. like working out at the gym. You're right. Is it like going to the gym or is it like going on a guided tour of the yeah, French no, Quarter? I like, would never do that. That's so weird. Why go weird. together? Um, you know, but some of the articles were saying that like, and I understand it. Like if you're really on a different schedule and say that you are with a partner who wants to wake up early and do something, you kind of want to sleep in and stay out later. Okay. I get that. And that's kind of a way to avoid conflict also. Yeah. I would say the closest I would come to that is if I wake up earlier than my partner and mm-hmm. I go out and grab a coffee or something like that. I wouldn't do like a guided tour or anything. Right. I think the big takeaway is when you travel with someone, you really get to know them, especially a partner. And um, you figure out quickly if you're on the same page about really important things. I, I think like, I don't know if I've ever met a happy couple that are like, we love each other, but hate traveling with this person. I don't think that those two things go together. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't think they can. Yeah. I don't think they can. Yeah. Ever. They're opposed. Yes. Cos- cosmically, <laughs> cosmically opposed. opposed. Yeah. How do you guys feel about traveling with your parents as an adult? Down with it. Yeah, same. Um, I took yeah. a trip with my mom last year. We uh, drove up to Saranac. And, Where's uh, that? In like northern New York, the Adirondack area. Got it. It's, be- it's a beautiful area. It was really dope, actually. Like, I yeah. love my mom. So it was a very easy trip for us to take. Like, the the only thing that I think happens is I can, like, regress a little bit when she starts asking me the momish questions that one would ask, like, her 33-year-old son. Sure. You know, she's like, are you going to settle down and, like, meet someone soon and maybe think about raising a family? <laughs> then I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, mom, fuck. Like, yeah. Yeah. Could make me a turkey sandwich? <laughs> uh, yeah, I travel with my parents at least once a year. Mm-hmm. We go to Hilton Head, South Carolina. And they they, since I was born, have driven 12 or 13 hours there, never fly there. Uh, when we were kids, we would drive with them. And now all the kids just fly there and meet them there. And they bring all this stuff. That's the ideal travel couple right there. Yeah. Who want to drive 12 hours together after know, having- No, my parents are so in love. I don't know, how many kids? Yeah. Can how many you kids imagine? No, I can't. How many siblings do you have? Yeah. Two siblings. Yes, yeah, so your parents had three kids and now they still want to drive 13 hours to hang out with all of you? Yeah. Should have brought yeah. them on. I'm sure they had some tips. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I think that we're pretty much all on the same page. Traveling with other people is hard. You learn a lot about them and yourself. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having Thank us. These anecdotes were great. This was very yeah. fun. So thanks to Gabrielle. You can find her on Twitter at GrabbyL. That's E-L-L-E. A big thanks to Alex, the cleanest button town. You can find him at It's Alex Robinson, traditional spelling, on Twitter. And once again, don't forget about that survey we have in our description and on the site, thrillist.com slash survey. Take it, you might win some free money, and we'd really appreciate it. I want to thank Megan Kirsch and Ocean McAdams on the Thrillist side for making all of this happen. Brett Kushner, David Zwick, and Emily Feld, our Group 9 fam. My podcast partner in crime, 
Molly Schulson, who produced this episode, iHeartRadio's Mangesh Hatakudor, our editor, Randy Scott Carroll, and of course, our mixer, Ernie Injured who makes everything sound great. All right, that does it for us. That's it. I never know how to end these things. <laughs> we just leave. Turn it off. If you're listening, just, just, just get out of it. Bye.